From the Tulsa world, this is the TU Sports Extra Podcast, sponsored by Albert G's Barbecue. Here is your host, Patrick Prince. Hello, and welcome to the TU Sports Extra Podcast. It's Thursday, November 16th. I'm Patrick Prince. Hope you're doing well. We're going to do things a little differently today. Normally, we bring on a TU player. Uh, and it's been really great to get to know the players on this year's teams. And I know I've said this before, but I think it's worth repeating that I uh, really appreciate uh, TU allowing these kind of extended player interviews. It's pretty rare to get 20-plus minutes with a Division One football player. So I uh, really appreciate TU for allowing that to happen because uh, that's what I'm interested in, you know, is, is – these players' stories and kind of who they are and where they come from and what's important to them. We all see the games. We all read the stats. Uh, but getting to know them is is what interests me. So it's it's been a real, real joy to kind of get to know a lot of these players uh, on this year's teams. And and all those interviews are in the TU Sports Extra podcast archive. So if there's a player you're interested in, you might go back and check it out. Uh all the interviews have been great. All the TU kids have been fascinating to get to know. But I think Chester Ball was probably one of my favorites. Uh, just his story coming from Africa. And he just had a very fascinating story. Uh, I did talk to Kirk Francis uh, a while ago. He's sort of come on lately at quarterback and sort of kind of given a glimpse of what the future might hold for him. He and I had a good conversation uh, uh, back so go dig that up at the archives if you're if you're interested in it. It was it was a good chat. I, I remember leaving that interview thinking that this this was a sharp young man and and, and I hope he does well. So uh, this week on his podcast, uh, Bill Haston, uh, a Tulsa World columnist, has TU legend Jerry Ostrowski, and we thought that would be a good interview this week for the TU podcast. And I'm going to play that interview with Bill and Jerry in just a second. Uh, but just a heads up for next week, I uh, just got off uh, a Zoom interview with TU recruit Elijah Green out of uh, class in SAS High School in Oklahoma City. He's the ninth rated recruit in the state of Oklahoma, according to Rivals. And his recruitment is just another example of this current TU coaching staff placing a priority on Oklahoma talent. So, uh, Elijah and I had a really nice conversation. He talked about why he signed with TU. Uh, they weren't his early favorite. Uh, and what was it like for him to play on a high school team that had less than 10 wins over his high school career? This is a four-year starter at class in high school, and he had less than 10 wins his whole career. So we get into that a little bit, uh, as well as some other things. He, he was a fascinating, fascinating kid. Uh, plays basketball, state title winner in track. Uh, and it was funny too. He had he had some one liners that was that was pretty funny. So I hope you guys enjoy that interview. So uh, so anyway, that's we'll get to Elijah next week. And here's Bill Haston's interview with Jerry O. Thanks for joining us. So Jerry Ostrowski and I occasionally had these phenomenal information exchanges on the phone. And at the end, I always say that would have been a good podcast. <laughs> but today. Jerry and I were just going to have a phenomenal information exchange here on the podcast, and we'll do it all at a quick pace, and we'll hit on a lot of stuff. So with that, I introduce the godfather of Tulsa football, Jerry Ostrowski. How you doing, Billy? Good, good to talk to you. That's a good intro, right? The godfather. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I like okay. it very much. Um, so um, 
I told you, uh, I gave you some little uh, talking points and I was really interested in, in this part. Uh, I'm going to roll this out first. Who would be your person of the year in the NFL at this point? We still got a person of the year. Yeah. Person of the year. That would be Travis Kelsey. Wow. Would be my person of the year. And here's why. Okay. I mm-hmm. thought about this and, and, and I'm going to have some fun with that on, cause I'm going to record my podcast right after we talk with, uh, Sarah Larson, I do a what podcast. What is your podcast known as, Jerry? It's called Line to Gain. You can check it live on uh, YouTube. It's usually Wednesday nights at, at 8 Central, but this week it's at 7 Central. But um, I've got a sweatshirt I want to wear on the show to gig her a little bit about it because she can't, you know, most people can't stand this whole Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing. And there's been some other, you know, power couples in football. I guess the the one to be most recent would be Russell Wilson and Right. What's her name? Sierra, I guess her name is or whatever. But, you know, Travis has <laughs> the amount of publicity that the league has gotten over the last month just off of this rumor that started on um, New Heights, which is the Kelsey Brothers podcast, which, by the way, I would advise you to listen to. It's a wonderful podcast. And where this has gone, and then this week, the bye week, you know, Travis is in Buenos Aires, Argentina, uh, at her show, and she changes the lines to a song. I mean, and then you look at them, and every commercial now, it's like it's like watching Coach Prime, right? Every commercial now that's associated with the NFL has Travis Kelsey in it. And, I mean, you know, people say, is it a distraction, whatever it is. There's a group of people that love this. And that group of people is the NFL ownership because the more eyes that watch their product, the happier they are. So my person of the year right now, just because of the amount of publicity he's bringing to the league and this new fan base that he's bringing to the league would be Travis Kelsey. I don't, I don't think there's any other person out there right now that that deserves that honor. Well, I'm embarrassed because I did not even think about Travis. (laughs) But you're right. In the history of pro football, and there have been um, so many great, great tight ends, right? But before Kelsey, now, with what he's doing, I would say Gronkowski was the most recognized, celebrated, kind of uh, transcending football kind of a figure ever at that position. And now Kelsey hosted SNL a few weeks ago. Holy crap. Yes. And, yes. and uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a really, it's a really good call. So I guess I went a little more uh, conventional, uh, but I picked CJ Stroud. That was my runner up, by the way. Okay. So that's not conventional. That's a great pick. Well, but you think about the Texans the last three years, Jerry, 11, 38 and one. And even when they were winning nine or ten games, they weren't particularly interesting. They've never been very compelling. But now the Texans with C.J. Stroud, who is, by the way, leading the league in passing games, passing yards per game at 292, ahead of Tua, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Mahomes, Dak, all of them. So, you know, I remember watching him in the college football playoff against Georgia and I was really really impressed by him because he took a beating and kept them in the game and uh but I didn't know what that would look like in the NFL right right I did I gotta say though I would have taken him 
it's easy to say now, but I certainly would have taken C.J. Stroud ahead of Bryce Young. But for, you know, and I, I'm sure you, maybe you saw the end of the uh, Bucks texans game a few days ago, and Baker Mayfield drives Tampa downfield, beautiful drive, end of the game. Uh, throws a strike in the end zone. They take the lead, and I think, wow, good for you, Baker Mayfield. That that was a clutch drive, and you're kind of reinventing yourself down in Tampa. And C.J. Stroud said, you know, hold my beer, and went in a matter of seconds. The length of the field, uh, Houston wins that game. Houston, Jerry, beat the heck out of Jacksonville in September, like uh, 37-13. I'm sorry, 37-17 in January, in September, and they rematch next week. Houston, as we speak, is one game back in that division behind right. Jacksonville. Houston could mess around and win that division. Right. It's right. all one kid. Now, granted, I'm I'm a believer in uh, 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 their new head coach as well. Uh, no, Tamika Ryan's is wonderful. Yeah. But I heard a conversation this morning on on the uh, it was it was either this morning or it was yesterday. It might have been yet. I thought it was this morning. Um, what's the guy that was the NFL guy for SI for so long, and then he he broke off and did Peter his own King? thing. Peter King. So yeah. Peter King was talking about it, and everybody, you know, the, the Musers was the morning show that I listened to, and they were talking about that, and they were saying that, you know, uh, you know, I, I bet Frank Reich wishes he'd have taken C.J. Stroud now. And and Peter King made a point. He said, if you give the Houston Texans execs truth serum and they had the opportunity to, they would have taken Bryce Young before C.J. Stroud as well. Um, and he had gotten that information, obviously, probably through conversation with them. But, you know, you don't know how it's going to turn out. But the thing that I love about C.J. Stroud is the maturity and how he talks in press conferences and how he handles his business. You know, watching him on the film and the, on the field and the fun they have, it goes back to what you said earlier. D'Amico Ryan's doing a wonderful job. And the teams that are doing well with these college, young college quarterbacks have embraced that college aspect of the game, and they're allowing these guys to do some of the things they did in college, not trying to take a guy that was a runner or whatever and then forcing him to be um, a pocket quarterback. Now, C.J. Stroud gets a, you know, his it's a false narrative. He never was a huge runner. He was he was a pocket guy and liked to throw the ball, but still he can run it. But no, that was my that was my runner up. Travis Kelsey was first, but great call on CJ Stroud. I think I think he's done a wonderful job. Here's my honorable mention, guys, Jerry. Dan Campbell, who I yes. was wrong about a year and a half ago. I mm-hmm. thought football, that'll never work in the league. That that mm-hmm. raw raw stuff. Uh he there's a lot more substance to that guy than I realized. Right. And, and he is another guy who's taken an irrelevant garbage uh, organization and flipped it. And and so I hope I hope Detroit has a special postseason. That would be fun. Right. And then the other uh, guy to me is is Mike McDaniel at Miami, because uh, you know right. that's, that's not really an approach you think would work in the league. I mean, everybody would like to just play fast break, sixty points. Right football but i mean it's a lot harder than i mean we've seen too that miami can't do that every week but but i didn't i wasn't believing at the time that tyreek hill would make that big a difference down there and right. I, I thought tyreek had screwed up honestly when he went down there i thought well, right. okay, number, you got you got paid but your numbers are going to really suffer nope 
I mean, he's already beyond a thousand yards for the season. So, but those two, those two guys for sure are my uh, other, my honorable mention interest, uh, uh, most interesting guys in the league this year, of course. You're exactly right about Travis Kelsey. <laughs> because, I mean, it is ultimately entertainment, right? Right. And holy cow, look where he is. He's, I mean, I, there's never been a power couple ever in NFL history. Uh, no. I mean, what are you talking about? Tony Romo and Jessica Simpson. <laughs> uh, Jessica 20- Simpson. Jessica Simpson can be a backup singer in, in Taylor Swift's group. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you got, you got a Super Bowl guy with limitless charisma. Uh, dating the hottest star in, uh, I would the say, world. The I was going to say music, but but yeah, no. just you can say the world. Yeah, the, the most popular person in the world right now probably is Taylor Swift. So okay, no doubt. All right, so switch over to college football right quick. Same question: Who's the most interesting person to Jerry Rue? You know, three fourths of the college football season. The most interesting person. Mm-hmm. Well, we we. Uh, you know, I thought, I you know, person of the year, interesting, right? Way. Most interesting. I guess the guy that I kind of thought of was, and I'm probably going to butcher his name because, you know, right away I thought about, I thought about, um, Harbaugh in, in Michigan and taking the almost Belichick like, or for people in our area that are listening, Bill self approach to coaching the Teflon Don kind of, kind of deal. Um, I still don't know if he's going to actually get anything on this, but I'm going to butcher his name, but it'd be Tony. Uh, is it, is it Tony Petetti, Petiti, the big 10 commissioner? Yeah. Um, yep. Petiti. And the reason why I picked him is because he's the guy that orchestrated probably the, he, he, he did for the first time ever, we've had teams jump, but this guy basically started the dismantling of a, of a entire conference. Um, he would, you know, OU goes to the SEC, Texas goes to the SEC, whatever, that's fine. The SEC is going to pick and choose and stuff, but, and we always thought the Big Ten had that ability, but not only did they have the ability, they, they absolutely dismantled and collapsed an entire conference. And he was kind of the guy that orchestrated the ball rolling into the, what we're seeing now is, is new college football with, you know, the Big 12 teams leaving, Stanford and Cal and them going to the ACC. Um, you know, a- American Conference teams then backfilling the Big 12. He kind of started this whole thing. He was the guy that, you know, flicked the first domino, so to speak, and um, everything rolled behind it. Hey, look what he did. He, he, he Now, I don't know how much value ultimately there is. I mean, there obviously is there's value in having L.A., as your, as a market in your league, right? But he's he stole Los Angeles from the past. Yeah. Holy yeah. cow! I mean, yeah. the signature city in your league, as you know, I would say LA is more synonymous with the Pac-12 than the Dallas is with the Big Twelve. I, I'm sorry, with the Pac-12 than Dallas is with the Big Twelve. But, yeah. No, you're right. That's a great call on that guy. My my, you know, this certainly would have been an easier call a month ago. Uh, but I'm still going to kind of go with Deion Sanders. Uh, that, that's a, that's great. Yeah. Well, that. But, but think about it too. He he. There was a 60 minutes crew embedded with his program for a week. Before yeah, I watched Colorado it. State, 
And then, you know, that whole, that whole, uh, whether that piece is going to air hinged on whether they could beat Colorado state, which goes to overtime crazy. Right. And they win the game. They're three and O and phenomenon. And I honestly, I, and even, I mean, I got a little Dion fatigue there for a while. I got to say, and, right. But the TV ratings were nuts. Crazy. The size of the TV audiences for those Colorado games. And, you know, and then probably the networks overextended their commitment to Colorado and you keep seeing them in big, important windows and they can't beat anybody now. But, you know, once D, it'll be so interesting next year. I'll be I'll be more interested. I mean, impressed with Dion if he can come back next year with a more complete team with an offensive line that looks like a big time offensive line that can keep his son from getting torn to pieces every week. Um, and then we'll see if the Dion way is going to be the way of the future, which is, you know, heavily, uh, it's a heavy raid every year on the portal. And basically, uh, you know, it's like Mike Gundy. I asked Mike Gundy at the Big 12 media, what do you think of Dion? And Mike uh, said, well, he had the courage uh, to go ahead and go in there and tell those players, you're not good enough to be here. Mm -hmm. and he said before the portal, nobody wanted to do that. And even after the portal, nobody really still really wanted to do that. And Dion goes in day one and says, y'all ain't good enough. And I'm going to clean house. Uh, and, you know, if you think about it, it's kind of a two-way street. If you have the freedom as a player to go anywhere you want, uh, then I guess it's, you know, then these programs have every right to. And I don't think the experiments failed. Yeah. I don't think the experiments failed. I think he'll get better talent and I think he's going to, I don't think he'll be gone until he gets it the way he wants to get it. And he oh, will. Right. Because he won't get it. Well, I mean, no, this is his short term marketability. I mean, I saw a crazy, crazy speculation when they were three and or whatever about his next situation. Right. And with right. NFL or SEC or whatever, well, he's got some proving to do. Um, but I would say Dion, I you know, and, and but other others, I've really uh, been impressed with this year. Either and impressed doesn't necessarily mean that I think they've done well. But I mean, guys who've who've had an who put their fingerprints on this season, good or bad, right? Jim, Jimbo Fisher for sure, right. walking away with seventy six million dollars. How do you feel about that? Good for him, or do you feel just sickened by it? Well, I I think it's a prime example of what's wrong with college football. Um, if we can pay a head coach um, the money that we're paying Jimbo Fisher to leave, and I saw a stat the other day from two thousand one to two thousand eleven or something like that between college football women's and men's basketball, $544 million were spent to replace coaches, something of that nature. Yeah. If we can spend this kind of money on to buy him out, and by the way, just to give you the an example of how much that is, um, K-State's entire athletic budget is only $6 million more than what they are paying Jimbo Fisher to go away. Wow. And if we can come up with that kind of money for a coach – then you can find money to pay players. And and when I say pay players, 
improve improve their living arrangements and things through stipends and those types of things, monthly payments. Um, because I do think at some point that's going to get regulated, but um, no, it just shows that the biggest issue in college football, it's almost like we're we're trying to create this smoke this this smoke screen, and we're focusing on NIL when really what needs to be regulated are the expenses of athletic departments, the amount of money spent on programs, and the amount of money spent on on coaches. And if we can regulate that, then there's more money for everything else. So uh, also, guys, I considered for the college designation, Harbaugh, obviously, because uh, special season uh, with a lot of turbulence at Michigan, and then Lincoln Riley's got seven losses now in two years at, at Southern Cal, which I think a lot of people get a kick out of that. Uh, no doubt. So, uh, uh I mean, like in the back to the NFL for a second. Who's your who's your team of the year at this point? Well, it was going to be San Francisco before the three game slide. Um, I like what they've done. I like I like their head coach. I like Shanahan. I like what Lynch does in the front office. But a very similar team that does the same thing GM wise. Very proactive on the trade deadlines. Goes out and gets players that he wants to get. When I got um, Chase Young, yeah, right, yeah, Lynch went and got Chase Young, but I, I, I would have to say, even though a lot of teams, a lot of people don't have them highly ranked in the NFL rankings, but they're the only team with one loss in the NFL, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, the job that Nick Sirianni should have a should have a statue built just because he's able to, he was able to find a way to get Jalen Hurts to be the football player he is in the NFL. Um, I, I was. I was so wrong on that. I thought there was no way. But then you watch Jalen Hurts and how he handles himself and the type of person he is and the maturity he has. We talked about this with C.J. Stroud. Same thing with him and his work ethic. And um, it's obvious, man, when you watch him. I know he might have learned more vertical passing game from Lincoln Riley and learned more quarterback stuff from Lincoln. But the way he is comes from two people, his father and, and from Nick. Nick down in Alabama. Um, there's there's no – I mean, it's like watching a clone almost. So, um, I say, that, you know, my team's the Philadelphia Eagles right now. You know, I should have mentioned uh, – another guy I forgot to mention uh, on the college most interesting people. Nick Saban had a little bit of a fork in the road moment there after they lost to, lost to Texas. He yeah. He wasn't sure what he had a quarterback. He couldn't have been sure what he had with the team as a whole, and he has done a heck of a job since then. And you know what? There's not a clearly defined – there's not like a great LSU or a great Georgia or an no. obvious favorite. So it's not going to it's not going to shock me at all if, if Nick Saban rolls in and gets another another gold ball. But what is – but what is – there's one other coach that's just like him, and it's and it's it's Gundy. Him and Gundy are very similar. They do not stray from their beliefs. They don't stray from the ways they do things. Um, Saban has not gone both feet into this NIL thing. I mean, he's improved what, you know, what players get, and they have the monthly, just like Oklahoma State. But, you know, Saban is not building his team on NIL alone, and there's a lot to be said about that. Um. Yeah, what an interesting game Saturday for OSU. Holy cow. At Dana at Dana Hogerson. Yeah. 
What an amazingly still has a job. What would you say about Dana? Who amazingly still has a job? Oh well, you know what? He almost did a few weeks ago. He nearly beat Texas. So you kind of don't know with with that team. Yeah. Uh, And of course, they needed a miracle to beat West Virginia there at the end. But uh, it's a dangerous game for OSU. So um, I got to say though, at the NFL level, my team of the year is is Detroit. Yeah, that's good. I'm a, I, I really enjoy watching them. And I got to say, a guy I had written off and I thought, this guy's done. He's going to be a clipboard guy the rest of his life is Jared Goff. It felt yeah. like Rams totally bailed on him and, right. and shipped him to Siberia. And, okay, who's laughing now? But what have they done? They've made his job a lot easier. I mean, well, right. it, the game the game's not on Jared Goff's shoulders. The game's on – his offensive line and his running backs and good defense. And he's taken a veteran quarterback and he's put him in a position where he can be successful and doesn't have to make all the plays. And, and I think that's probably the biggest thing that that Detroit has done is they've, they've, you know, they've made a, uh, I guess for lack of better terms, user friendly offense for him. And he's able to go out and be successful. Um. This is like the least compelling Heisman Trophy year I can remember. Um, right. Nah, the last couple actually, but but to me, there's Marvin Harrison Jr. and because they'll never give it to the best player in the country because the best player in the country in any given year could be a left guard for somebody. <laughs> oh, it could be true. Oh, it could be, but I, I think safety. You never. Right. Know. But but they're always going to give it to a guy who catches it or throws it or runs it or whatever. So it feels like Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be the landslide Heisman guy. Well, my guy, and the thing is, and that's a, that's an East Coast West Coast thing. The guy that I think should win the Heisman right now, especially if he takes his team to the Final Four and continues to do what he does, is um, is uh, Penix from Washington. I got to see him live. My my son got a 15-yard roughing the passer penalty on him. Right. <laughs> uh but no, seriously, that guy, that guy is money in the bank. I mean, you want to talk about I, that football team's not they're not remotely close to what they are without him. And his pocket presence and what he does, I don't know if he'll translate to the NFL, but I know right now he's playing at an extremely high level. Uh yeah, he'll get he'll he'll uh, you know, he'll go to New York. But I, right. I, just, I just feel like Harrison. No, I think you're right. Harrison has the, um, you know, it's it, there's, you said East versus West or whatever. I just think, um, a really good Ohio State kid versus uh any Pac-12 kid ex- who's not J- Caleb Williams, right. Big Ten kid's going to get. He's got a twenty percent advantage on votes going in because you can, you know, because you can throw Bo Nix in the mix as well. Now he lost to Washington, and that was more because of the idiotic chances that his head coach took as opposed to his quarterback play. But you're you're one hundred percent correct on that. Uh, what about? I mean, this is a one sentence thing, but uh. The Miami coach a few weeks ago, the mo- was that the most bonehead boneheaded thing you've seen in a while? Yeah, it's not only boneheaded, there was history with it. He's done it before. He did it. Ha- right. Yeah. 
and had it and had it blow up in his face before. I mean, it was it was borderline metal miracle of the Meadowlands. It was when Joe Pasarchik blew it and Herm Edwards picked it up and ran it in for a touchdown. Um, yeah, terrible, terrible, terrible game management. Here, um, here's a trivia question for you, Jerry. So, who was the intended running back on the handoff exchange in Miami or in New York? No, the Joe Pasarchik fumble play. Oh, uh, super famous uh, guy who made his bones with somebody else, but super famous Hall of Fame guy. You'll have to tell me. I don't know. Larry Zonka. No, Larry Zonka. In the no, was mm-hmm. it really? I think so. Was it? I think so. So Larry left the Dolphins and went to the Giants. I think so. Anyway, I'm going to look that up while I – I'm going to roll this at you, and then I'll either come back and say I was wrong. or. Okay. But but as you watched, because you see every snap of every Tulsa game because of Owen, but as you watched Kirk Francis last week run out there and play historically well, 345 pass yards. Oh, by the way, C.J. Stroud. Two picks, 15 touchdowns. I mean, <laughs> that's what he's doing better than anything, Jerry. Yes. Take, is, uh, as a guy that's a fan of Josh Allen, yes, I respect that. Amen. There you go. So, uh, but as you watched Kirk Francis uh, do what he did the other day, and I know you were still in high school uh, as a senior when Rubley had, TJ Rubley had his famous debut right. at Oklahoma State, but you were there a year later as a freshman at TU in 88. But um, did you kind of think, as you were watching it, this is kind of historic stuff. This is really an important uh, performance and potentially uh, the first step in what could be a beautiful relationship with Kurt Francis in the Tulsa program. I didn't know the history of it. I didn't even think of it. What's funny is it was so efficient that after I didn't know how how many yards he threw for until after the game. I mean, it didn't really hit me how many yards he had until the game was over. Um, but no, I mean, very impressive what he did. And I think that the biggest thing is with him is he took his his scout team reps and those types of things, and he used those as learning experiences and used those as, as a way to to understand the college game and what Kevin Wilson wants out of his offense. Um, I respect that because that's what I did when I played in the NFL. I mean, I was on the practice squad about a year and a half, part of one season and part of the next season. And, you know, those scout team reps, while you might think they're mundane, um, it gives you an opportunity to play against the best. You're, you are the look squad for the number one defense. Right. And, um, you know, that's what I respect out of him. I, I, you know, guys that get opportunities, and and you know this, it's like in the NFL. If you're picked in the first three rounds, you're going to get a lot more opportunities than the guys picked in the sixth, seventh round or free agents. And, you know, Kirk coming in, being a preferred walk-on, and basically, you know, starting from the bottom and having to prove himself, um, he did that. And, you know, what's impressive is, and again, and he, you know, Kevin talked about it in his press conference, he took those opportunities on the scout team, to understand things and get better. Now, obviously, I've seen him play in high school. He can obviously spin it. Um, he's a talented quarterback. Um, 
you know, he throws the ball well. It's funny because when I watch him and his demeanor and his kind of effect that he gives off, it's not shocking to me that Paul Smith is his private quarterback coach. Right. Very, very similar. Yep. So, um, you know, but it's uh, it, it was impressive. And, um, you know, we'll, I'm sure he's going to get more opportunities in these last two games. Whether it's as a starter or not, I don't know. Um, you know, Coach Wilson plays everything very close to the vest, and I'm not going to speculate. But it, it was pretty, it was pretty awesome to see a kid like that get that chance, and then when he gets it, take full, uh, you know, full grasp of it. No doubt. And and think of the, uh, of course, you will think of it because you, you know how that works. Uh, in fact, you used to kind of do that, but. There's got to be value in having a Tulsa kid at quarterback yeah. for the University of, right? Right, right. No, for sure. I mean, you know, these are kids that fans of Tulsa have seen play in high school. They they read your paper. They read your articles about those kids. They see them on Channel 2 with Caden and see them on 8 with TJ. And, and um, you know, a lot of guys that are fans of the TU team, uh, you know, intimately know these guys because they've watched them play for four years in high school. So, of course, I mean, it's just another it's just another example that there's a lot of talent in this city that maybe previously hadn't been uh, taken advantage of. Well, I'm fired up to watch. Uh, I will be at the Tulsa game Saturday and I'm fired up to watch it. So I'm looking at the clock. I promised you would check out uh, in about one minute from now. So. Uh, but I do have to flex a little bit. It was Larry Zonka. <laughs> well, you got was, me, man. I was starting. Well, I was starting to doubt my memory on that. But okay, <laughs> I'll read this little synopsis from a piece that was written. Uh, it is uh, okay. So hey, how about this too for timing? The forty-fifth uh, anniversary of that play was yesterday. So. 45 years ago this week, as the Giants tried to kill off a game against the division rival Eagles in the waning moments, Joe Pisarczyk flubbed a handoff to Larry Zonka, and Herman Edwards scooped the ball for a stunning Philly win. Do you remember that game? I was a young kid, but I do remember it. I bet, yeah. Yep, I do remember it. You got to sure. go. Hey, you got to go, and I will see you at TU Saturday, and I appreciate this. I knew it would be good because you're always good, so thank you. <laughs> No problem, man. We'll do it again when we have more time to chat. L-I-N-E, line to gain. Uh, Jerry will be on that podcast. Uh, but it's it's on Apple Podcasts. You can find it. Yep. Really, so. Apple, Spotify, wherever. Buffalo Rumbly. All right, Jerry. Thanks so much. See you, buddy. All right, See bye. You. Bye.